Rediscover the 80s, your retro news and talk station. Welcome to the 80s Weekly, the latest retro pop culture news from the world of movies, streaming, video games, collectibles, and more. Here to deliver these headlines and tell you whether they are rad or bad, Jason and Wyatt. Yes, welcome back to the 80s Weekly, and we are so happy you're here. We're ready to go through some news headlines. Thanks for tuning in to the Rediscover the 80s podcast station, we're calling it now. You've got Jason here. Of course, I'm joined by Wyatt. Yes, I am here, loving these little news headlines that we give you each week, or as often as we can. Hope uh, you're enjoying them. I believe we actually have some feedback this week. We do. Yeah, I wanted to jump right back into some uh, feedback here before we get into the uh, show. And uh, just a quick shout out to a couple of listeners, Karen Flieger and Ken Spaulding. Thanks so much for your feedback. Uh, I'm a part of the Retro Network as well, and we do a little Slack channel over there where a lot of us get together and, and talk, and I'll bounce little things off them. And they said they were enjoying the show. Also on Twitter, at Robots. He uh, gave us some feedback. He said, uh, quote, I'm really enjoying this new show. Fell behind a bit and listened to all the episodes today in a row. Really good stuff. High quality production and content. I also really enjoy the memory jogger where you guys hung out together. Keep up the good work. I listen to every episode, unquote. Well, man, appreciate that feedback. Just a quick shout out to uh, IC Robots and icrobots.com, IC Robots Radio. Some great retro-inspired podcasts over there. I think he said he was kind of taking a break from podcasting, but you've got that whole archive. Great stuff. He did a show on, uh, I think he called it the Toys R Us Report, and just some good retro-inspired podcasts over there, icrobots.com. Go check them out. But, uh, man, it's good to get some feedback like that, and uh, it's a real shot in the arm to kind of what we do, isn't it, Wyatt? It is. We love feedback, and to see that you know someone – enjoys even the little news headlines we give is is again another shot in the arm i love yeah it. yeah and just to pull the curtain back i mean this is essentially we were doing a little catch-up segment with memory jogger and before that we had been doing little news headlines little icebreakers we called them when we first started memory jogger and uh, we're just essentially just splitting those into two shows and uh, make them real quick listens for you so you can uh, listen to these on your commute uh, back and forth to work and uh, get the whole episode in before you get there uh, at least m most people <laughs> my yeah. commute my commute's only about uh, 10 minutes so gotta be really quick to <laughs> to get a whole show in in my commute but uh you ready to uh get into this week's headlines i am let's start it up leading off this week the national toy hall of fame inducts its uh, 2022 class which includes the ancient, they call it, top, the uh, cultural phenomenon, Masters of the Universe, and the beloved Lightbright. They were all inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame. Uh, they just recently unveiled them in a special ceremony there in the Strong National Museum of Play. And the finalists this year were also Bingo, Briar Horses, which are the kind of model horses, Catan, Nerf, Pinata, Phase 10, Pound Puppies, Racco, and the Spirograph. So among those 12, three went in. And I was just going to read back their little write-up here uh, from the 
Strong Museum of Plays uh, website about the top. Since ancient times, the spinning top has been the childhood staple of cultures in Asia, Europe, the Americas, and Australia. The toy form has entertained adults, too. Ancient Greek pottery shows women playing with tops more than 2,000 years ago. So I think that was a, a pretty solid choice to put in. It's uh, I remember having little tops as a kid. I remember the one that was like metal, and then you hit the top of it to kind of rev it up, you know, and right, let right. it go. I think I had one like that, and uh, I don't know, just all different kinds of varieties over the years. I remember there's some Happy Meal toys where you kind of revved up the bottom of the top. It was like almost a rubber surface, and then let it go, and it would spin around, you know. So I think it was a pretty good choice. I agree. We had one uh, just recently, except it had something inside to kind of like it, make it clank and uh-huh. make a lot of racket. And of course, it had a little bit of lesser life time span in our home uh you know a few of us right but that you can see that you know they're, they're always fun you see them in, in little kitty bags now and i still you know 40 plus years later i'm still spinning the tops <laughs> yep uh so the next choice of course hit home with us and us i mean you might say generation x or you, know, you and i's age wide our peers yep. masters of the universe uh, Masters Universe line of action figures, which includes the iconic He-Man and She-Ra, traces its popularity to makers uh, Mattel's use of comic books, television, and the big screen. Not so much the big screen, <laughs> one movie, but uh, right. the cartoon series He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, which ran from 1983 to 85, created a cohesive fantasy world that allowed Mattel to introduce new characters and new toys to the line. Over the years, Mattel has paired the brand with everything from toothbrushes to sleeping bags, which we can attest to. And then in 2021, of course, the new Netflix series. Actually, there's like two different series over there on Netflix now based on Master of the Universe. Proved the toys staying power. And of course, I think this is well-deserving. Just uh, so many different characters. I mean, they're still releasing toys now based on the old characters with the... That Origins line, which is essentially the the old toys with better articulation, and uh, they've got that fabulous retro packaging. Uh, did you see that they actually did like a crowdfund over there on Hasbro Pulse for the Eternia playset, that huge playset that they released back in the day that was uh, so coveted by a lot of people that uh, that was recently funded and that they're going to make that to all the people that uh you know gave money ahead of time to allow them to make it so man just uh, can't say enough about the impact really of masters of the universe over the years i agree i i I believe it was a good honor for them i mean it was very popular toy line there we could argue there's a few other ones that might have been a smidge higher than Mm -hmm. the masters of the universe but it warrants it. I'm not denying it. It warrants that that recognition and that that induction. So I'm I'm really pleased to see it because it would like like you and I. I mean, we play with the Masters of the Universe. We we did our best, so called, <laughs> you know. I have the power with a stick for our sword. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 It definitely translated beyond just the toys. Uh, Castle Grayskull. I remember getting for Christmas one year. I had a few of. Uh, each side so i had he-man ram man many faces and then i had skeletor uh i had trap jaw 
some of the you know the the ones that were in most of the episodes you'll say but yeah that's just expanded all these years and i think it's well deserving that they're in the the toilet and just the the figures themselves too how muscular they were it's just different from right. everything else back in the day you know i agree and then finally the light bright created in 1966 light bright used the same concept as stained glass windows allowing children to create glowing images against a black background, either following manufactured designs or creating their own picture. Through the years, Lightbrite has gradually changed its format and technology, but the potential for open-ended creativity has kept Lightbrite popular for more than 50 years. Did you have a Lightbrite back in the day? We did, and uh, we've actually talked about it on Memory Jogger uh, at okay. some point. And yeah, we had one of the, well, I doubt it was one of the originals, it was probably the generation two where it had the hard plastic uh that mm -hmm. sort of got browned because of the 60 watt bulb you put in there <laughs> right yeah uh but yeah we you know made the decorations and you know made used the papers to as long as we did and when mm -hmm. we ran out we started i started using them as uh, makeshift billboards for my dukes of hazard or knight rider or something <laughs> yeah to play. yeah it was always fun to try to make words and Try to do your own thing, you know, once your little black sheets ran out for where to put the pegs to, you know, create He-Man or whatever. Back in the day, they had all those different patterns, kind of like they did with uh, the uh, Etch-A-Sketch. You know, we had right. the little uh, sheets you, you could put over top and same kind of concept. But yeah, I was just in Walmart last week and uh, with all the Christmas stuff being, you know, put out on display and those little end caps or little uh, uh, displays that they put at the ends of the aisle. They had a, a whole rack of the uh, BB guns, you know, the Red Rider BB guns, of course. Oh, yeah. But they also had a little display of the new light brights, which were, you know, all LED now, no 60-watt bulb, like you said. Uh, and they're, you know, the LED technology. And uh, I, I don't know if they still make, I assume they still have the, the little sheets that you can, you know, make a flower or whatever now, but yeah, still they had a whole, I don't know, slew of them there at Walmart. So still going strong after all these years. That's great. So uh, just a quick rad or bad, did they get it right as far as these three among the 12 that were up for nomination or bad, maybe that they should have chosen some of the others? What do you think? I believe compared uh, maybe the top we could, argue could have been thrown in there maybe uh, atop the library uh in my speculation but overall i i don't i don't diss it at all it's rad yeah i think they did uh there's a couple other iconic brands in there they talked about and bingo i don't know how long bingo has been around for that's been around for a long time but uh as far as toys go i, I don't know if bingo should be classified as a toy but they have other games and i'm sure there's other games that are already in the the hall of fame but I think it's rad too. I think they got it right. Well, let's get on to our next news story. We got Nightcore back in session this January with the two episode premiere. And this is, man, Nightcore. <laughs> I mean, we could probably sit and relish on this show. In fact, it might be on our memory jogger list for all I know. It um, could, could be. If not, we need to put it in there. But what do you remember about this? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, Night Court, I remember watching some episodes in its original run, you know, when it was in primetime TV. Uh, I remember watching a lot of episodes 
in reruns and I just loved the show. I loved Judge Harry, uh, all his little gags and tricks and magic and I don't know, that was entertaining. Of course, uh, Dan Fielding, you know, always <laughs> getting in trouble with the ladies and everybody kind of had to put up with him. And uh, the bailiffs were fun. Roz, I loved Roz and just her no-nonsense attitude. And oh, Bull, yes. Bull, I loved Bull, too. He was zany and did kind of funny things and was just so tall above everybody else. And just all the other little characters around the room. Mac, you know, that uh, read the cases off. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the other people. Really? They had tons of guest stars come in, too. Oh, yeah. There was that older, I can't, was it Roz? No, there was an older uh, person that was played before her, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh I have, gosh, I, I can picture her face—the the little older lady bailiff that came in. She was there maybe the first couple seasons, and then Roz came in after that, and she was the one that I mainly remember watching in in reruns and stuff. But it was just a fun premise for a show, and it kept things fresh. New people kind of coming on set, you know, with new cases, and then. They do these other fun little things with uh, Harry and his uh, favorite music artist, Mel Torme, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, little antics that happened in his chambers there. But I don't know. I'm, I'm let's just go over to uh, Bleeding Coal here, where we got the story and uh, read a little bit about it. This new series. So thanks to NBC releasing its mid-season schedule. Last Tuesday, January 17th, will be the special two-episode premiere of Night Court. The sequel series introduces viewers to unapologetic, optimistic Judge Abby Stone, daughter of the late Harry Stone. Abby follows in her father's footsteps as she presides over the night shift of a Manhattan arraignment court and tries to bring order to its crew of oddballs and cynics, most notably former Night Cute prosecutor Dan Fielding. So... What we know of the show, they're kind of uh, keeping some of the legacy there with having characters. The the judge is the daughter of Harry, and of course Dan Fielding is is back. He's I think the only one from the original show that's back. And I don't know what his role in the process is. It says former prosecutor, so maybe he is uh, you know part of the the courtroom proceedings there, or just popping in or something. I don't know. But beyond that, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of iffy on this. I don't know. I'm I'm curious enough to watch the premiere to see how it all plays out. Put it that way. And I'm like you. I'm iffy. I think we mentioned before. There's times where I don't think they should touch a good thing. You know, Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. It's rad to see the musical come out, but you don't just just don't mess with it. Leave it be. Kind of like the Airwolf back in the day. You got string. We like seeing Sinjin, but they messed up kind of the storyline and stuff so mm -hmm. i'm just hoping that they keep the storyline keep it flowing obviously they got to update it they got to modernize it and so forth but, but try they got to keep the spirit of it too you know right because it was all lighthearted with a little bit of goodness you know harry would sit there and and just have a little powwow in certain episodes where oh you know just the 50 dollar finally give it or there'd be a lesson <laughs> somehow tied to right, it right. um who knows maybe they'll bring the turtle guy I, that's the only episode i really <laughs> sticks out in my head still to this day which is funny because i have like the first two seasons maybe the first three seasons of uh of it and i've watched it it's been a little bit but that's the one that sticks out is those is, is yeah. that guy um 
and yeah. Dan, you know, he he brings a lot. A lot of his stuff was reaction. You know, reaction to the turtle guy made it hilarious even oh, yeah. more while he's waiting for him to to finish his sentence or whatever. But uh, I'm just curious to see what they're going to do with him and how he's involved with the whole premise. But yeah, they've got to have the same kind of lighthearted spirit that the original had. I don't think they're going to come close to the original, which is why I would kind of lean towards the bad side, but I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of this until I see an episode and maybe we'll report back. If one of us does catch that premiere in January and give our thoughts. How about that? Sounds great. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly to uh, finish out this week's headlines on the 80s Weekly. This holiday season, experience the joy of rewatching the same TV specials you watch every year in podcast form. It's the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. Countdown to Christmas Eve with a new episode every other day in December about a different holiday show. From the must-watch classics to the lost treasures at the bottom of the DVD bargain bin. Learn the answers to questions nobody asked, like, when is a magic hat you throw away no longer yours? How many Muppets can fit inside a farmhouse? How did cavemen know about Christmas? Why is Elf making me cry? Subscribe now at adventcalendar.house and get 12 episodes every December. But that's not all. You'll also get 12 more episodes during Christmas in July. Why am I talking like a car salesman? It's a free podcast. It's the Advent Calendar House, a podcast on the internet. It's the Advent Calendar House. Welcome back. We now enter the third headline, Indiana Jones series reportedly being eyed by Lucasfilm and Disney+. Plus. Variety mm-hmm. notes... Disney is actively looking to develop an Indiana Jones TV show for Disney+. Variety has learned exclusively from sources. Disney and Lucasfilm have specifically been bringing up the possibility of a streaming show set in the world of the globe-trotting archaeologist in general meetings with writers of late, sources say. They are still looking for a writer to take on the project. I got my hand raised. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just saying, I mean, rather. Thus, no plot details are available. Given that, it is unknown if a series would serve as a prequel to, or perhaps a spinoff of the film franchise, or if it would tie into the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film, similar to how Disney has tied its Marvel shows on Disney Plus into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What's your Mm. thoughts and take on this? Well, I remember the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. You remember that show in the early 90s? I know of it, but okay. I don't believe I've actually ever watched that. I've just watched the movies primarily. Yeah, I the big draw for me, of course, is Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, and he has come back to do the fifth one. We don't know how much if he I'm assuming he's going to be the star, but I was anticipating the last movie for them to somehow pass the torch and they I don't know. They implied it more or less at the end. I don't know if you've seen Indiana Jones 4. I know a lot of people hate it. And it's something that I can watch on occasion, but I usually just watch the first three. But at the end of the movie, his hat, uh, they're in the uh, church there. He finally gets married to Marion. And his hat blows off and goes to the feet of Shia LaBeouf, whose character I think was Mutt. Anyway it was kind of implying he was, he gets ready to put on the hat himself and Harrison Ford kind of snatches it out of his hand before he does like, 
next time kid or whatever, whatever, right. you know? So it was uh, more or less ambiguous as to uh, passing the torch. And so apparently they didn't, that wasn't a passing the torch and they brought him back doing another spinoff of the series or the spinoff of the movies. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's going to work just because a lot of, I think fans are like me, which we want to see Harrison Ford when you talk Indiana Jones. So they're going to have to really build up the cast in this new movie to have something that you can spin off from if that's going to be the, uh, the way you do it. Or, you know, do you go and do what they did before and do the young Indiana Jones Chronicles and maybe instead of having him real young, and that, I think they kind of varied, if my memory serves me correctly, they used different actors and it varied in age of when Indy, you know, how old he was during that television series. So it wasn't all continuous or, uh, you know, kind of one uh, complete story. They kind of jumped around a bit. So, you know, who's, who's to say they, they don't even have a writer yet, but they're, they're wanting to do it. I'm leaning towards bad idea on this one. I would just say, do the fifth movie. We're probably not going to like it as much as the original three, just like what happened with the fourth movie and just let us enjoy the original trilogy. You know, what say you, were you a little late to Indiana Jones? If my memory serves me correctly. So I liked the movies. I didn't get any, into anything much else. Now I wasn't a regular, like transformers, the movie. I, I would watch that regularly. Even uh, some other ones that come to mind. I'm trying to think right now what I've, watched but uh all that to say they it's not wasn't a frequent one but i've loved mm -hmm. it i like the adventure i like the suspense i like that peril uh that you mm -hmm. see on certain episodes or rather scenes but i don't it, i fall back this one i really fall back on i lean like you i think this would be a bad idea i know where disney's is going they're finding market and money in continuing on with like the cinematic universe of marvel mm -hmm. so they're they're seeing that same with star Wars. They're seeing that it's right. going well. Why not get a fan favorite like Indiana Jones that has some peril adventure uh, archeologist there. So I, I get their mindset, but again, like you, the fourth was okay. It was good to see Harrison Ford reprise his role mm -hmm. for me though. There's a lot too much CGI and I noticed it because yeah. they tried and I yeah. get it. They got to be safe, but holy cow, dude! I saw it. And <laughs> yeah, it's Disney. Come on, you can do better than that. So, some of it was kind of ridiculous too, and like the ants and all that that eat that one guy, and just the I don't know the the aliens themselves and the overall when they're in that little temple there and things that happen. Yeah, it was a little little too much CGI and not enough practicality. And granted. God bless Harrison Ford. He's in his 70s now, so maybe even close to 80. So <laughs> he can't do a lot of what he used to do. But uh, at the same time, yeah, it just there was a lot of practicality to the original movies that I think was, you're, you're exactly right, they were missing in that fourth one, which exactly. made it feel a little, a little different, a little off. You know, maybe they try to do like a, a series based on short round or something. You know, one of the characters that uh, one of the legacy characters, in other words, there wasn't too many partners. Uh, you think of the guy in Egypt. Um, 
Sala, I think was his name. You know, they could try to find a character like that to do a, a little short run series with, like they do with Star Wars. But I don't know. I don't think his universe is is big enough at this point that they they really need a main indie character, you know, to pull off a series. Right. In my opinion. Well, like I said, Our, like you, I'm I'm leaning towards bad on this one. Let's let's leave it where it should be in the high regard. Okay. Well, let's get on to our final story here. That is the 10 most iconic newspaper comic strips from the 80s. Yes. Now, this was fun. I found this story over on Screen Rant, and I was a big uh, newspaper person in that I loved reading the comics. I loved doing little word puzzles and things uh, on the... uh, Sunday paper, I think it was, or the the weekend edition that we had, they had this little thing called the mini page, which was all for kids. And I don't know, I it, it was something I was interested in, and, and Dad would always save me the comics. So, were you big into comic strips and in, in that from the newspaper back in the day? I was. I would quite often read a lot of the comics, uh, you know, Garfield and Peanuts, and all, uh, the there's quite a few that I loved. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm. I'm I'm interested to read this list and see yeah. who, wh- who's ra- who, where they rate. So I don't think there's a ranking. It's just basically the 10 most iconic comic strips from the 80s. They start off with Andy Cap. Now, I was not a big reader of Andy Cap. I think he was mainly in the British papers. But I do remember, thanks to the wonderful snack, Andy Cap's Hot Fries, that they would put comic yes. strips on the back of the bag. Right. And I always thought that was cool, and I loved uh, hot fries. I still get hot fries from time to time nowadays. And uh, Andy Cap, of course, on there, and they don't do the comic strips on the bag anymore. But I always thought that was fun. Yeah, I I loved it. I loved seeing Andy Cap. The, the hot fries, man. I actually could go for some right now. Uh, <laughs> now you had me itching, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, but, from what I can remember, it was him mainly with his wife going back and forth. I think so, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do we got next here? We got what looks like the Wizard of Id. Yes. And he he was a strange one to me, but I liked some of the comedy that they would oh, throw yeah. in there from time to time. And it, you know, even though it was set kind of in medieval times, it used, you know, modern day jokes and stuff going on. So I always thought the Wizard of Id was hilarious. It was. I like I said, there'd be a couple quirky ones, but I'm like, what what were the writers thinking? But um for the most part, yeah, I, I enjoyed them. Next up, and these dated back like uh see I'm just trying to see if Andy Cap had a date when it was first created, but looks like the Wizard of Ed went back to the sixties. Launched in nineteen sixty four. Mm-hmm. And then late seventies, early eighties was the heyday. Uh, next up is Kathy. I don't remember Kathy being a lot in uh, our newspaper, but I'm trying to think if she was more of a one. I think she was in the photo. Sunday, the Sunday papers is when I remember seeing her. And I think it was out of the Dubois Career okay. Express, not so much the progress. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what her strip was like. I guess it was just mainly based around her life there. I was thinking, maybe I'm thinking of a different one, like uh, the old lady there. I can't remember her name, but that I know was just, you mean. A, just a one scene comic strip versus like three or four panels, you know, whatever. 
from what I remember, she, I mean, it, kind of the day-to-day kind of life in general, you know, mm-hmm. another dismal day at the office or man, they uh, right, right. seem just didn't have the, something along those lines. I don't remember yeah. all of it, but she, you know, she wasn't one of my favorites, I'll be honest, but I remember reading it. All right. What do we got next? Doonesbury. Now, I don't remember seeing him as much, so I can't speak to I, him as well. I remember seeing Doonesbury. I never got it. It was more or less political stuff, and I don't know. It just wasn't wasn't geared towards kids at all, so I didn't really connect with it much then and, and still have not over the years. I know it was pretty popular for a long time, and it says here it was the first daily comic strip to win a Pulitzer Prize in 1975. So that tells you there was some very good writing that went along with it. But like I said, I it was more political and just uh, there was no punchline, no this or that really that connected with a kids. So I would I would say that one just did not connect with me at all. Agreed. And then next is Blondie. Uh, Blondie and Dagwood, of course, her yes. uh, sandwich loving husband. I do remember this one. There was a, a, some chuckles to be had reading uh, Blondie. Do you remember this one? I do. I remember the sandwich because that was about every like every other episode or every <laughs> other paper rather had something yeah. about his sandwich. I do remember as more of a kind of a romantic edge to it. I mean, I'm not saying you know any type of PG or anything rating, but. It was more like a, the romance and the, the lifestyle. Husband and, and wife, yeah. Exactly, stuff. the yeah. lovey things. And this stems back to like 1930s, somewhere around there is when it was mm-hmm. first appeared on comics. And it's been going, I believe, ever since. I don't know. I haven't read comics for a while, so. Yeah, I haven't either. I know they have apps and stuff now where you can get your comic strips. Oh, okay. And I don't know how much of these are still active. I believe Garfield is, which we'll get to here in a minute, and, and some of these other ones. But uh, yeah, I just I haven't. It's been forever since I've even bought a newspaper. You know. Right. <laughs> All right. What's next? We got the Far Side. Oh, this is yeah. another one that would be quirky. You know, it was uh, what I remember. It would bring in kind of the strange happenings like a cartoon would or uh even yeah think yeah. of 80s shows back in the day where they'd you know duke's a hazard brought in a alien a, you know into the freaking show i'm like dude this is a country well maybe that actually does fit the you know the, the cliche <laughs> things like that they bring funky stuff into it and i do remember that i don't remember like if it was funny or not it was funny to me now i didn't I don't remember a lot of it in the newspaper that we got. It was later, mainly in the 90s, when I connected with The Far Side and actually bought a couple books from like Barnes & Noble that they had that was a compilation of all the comic strips. And they were always, if memory serves me correctly, just one panel and one essentially joke to throw at you. So like one I remember, one of my favorites is this guy who invents this little helmet that we can finally hear what dogs are saying and all the dogs are running around the neighborhood and they're telling each other, Hey, 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 Hey. So <laughs> that's all they had to say is just, Hey, to each other, you know, little funny things like that. And yeah, they would bring in all kinds of crazy stuff to, uh, to 
tell a joke and I've very much enjoyed uh, the far side over the years. And then next is probably my favorite, which is Garfield. Like I mentioned, just a staple of the newspaper for since what the late seventies, I think 1978. Yes. Is when uh, Garfield was introduced and just blew up essentially yes, he did. to, uh, you know, the, the animated series and the animated the specials, the specials came first doing those first. And then, Oh, I think it was around maybe 87 or 88 when uh, Garfield and friends came along. And then mm-hmm. now you, like you said, they've got the, the movies. There's actually a new Garfield movie coming out, I think next year oh, wow. animated or CGI. So uh, they've continued that and, I still love looking in the thrift stores to find the Garfield books. I think they're up maybe close to 50 now, if not more. And just the unique size to, you know, view all the, the comic strips. And uh, I've, I don't know, I've probably got about half of them just uh, <laughs> fi- finding them in thrift stores. I love Garfield. I was in a phase where I would clip them out of the, the progress, which is our local newspaper back at home. and it was during the spider phase. So he was okay, like trying yeah. to t- trying to smack or try to get these spiders. And <laughs> essentially the spider would essentially go, ha ha, you missed or something dumb like that. Uh-huh. But Garfield was a fan favorite for me. I, I really enjoyed it. There was always something to chuckle at in each strip, the lasagna, the character traits, the kicking Odie off the table. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Mailing a uh, normal to Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was just a great, they did it right. Uh, Jim Davis yeah. really found the niche with him and it, it worked well. Yeah. So good. We just watched the Thanksgiving special like two nights ago. Oh, nice. And uh, still great. All those specials. And then we got peanuts. Another fan favorite, especially for mm-hmm. me. Uh, this started, geez, I can't a long remember. Long time ago. Probably yeah. back in the fifties, maybe. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, it's been in the comic strips, and again, this has been a. Uh, it's had its specials. Uh, it had a movie not too long ago. I can't remember who produced it. I've seen it once. It didn't really connect with us the uh, the Peanuts movie, but it was pretty good. It, I mean, overall, just not one that we've gone back and rewatched over well, the years. Well, I guess in that regard, we haven't gone back, but the kids really loved it. They loved the lightness the family very family friendly mm-hmm. that's what i've applauded with them you know we, we grew up in I hate to say it, but more right-wing you know conservative mm-hmm. area of pennsylvania and to have something like that i liked it it was so innocent all the charlie brown specials you know you, yeah. even even with the the christian undertones it, it did present uh, you know, they do the Halloween special, the great pumpkin. And mm-hmm. that wasn't too bad. You know, I, I, again, I've loved it. I love the comic strips. I won't say that I'm, you know, knee slapping by any means, but it's fun to see, you know, yeah. Snoopy on top of his house, always doing something, whether he's typing a letter or book, or he's pretending he's flying the thing with uh, Woodstock or Charlie Brown's out dealing with Lucy or whomever trying to, trying to kick the football. Right. There was always something fun and very innocent, but something you could simu- almost assimilate to your own life. You know, 
going to the ballpark or or kind of being in your own zoned out world with Snoopy type of mind. It was always mm-hmm. fun. I loved it. Yeah, very good. Next is Calvin and Hobbes, which ran from 85 to 1995. And this one, again, connected with me more later in the 90s. And then when they started doing all those stupid Calvin stickers on the back of the, mm-hmm. you know, the cars, peeing on something, whatever you didn't like, you could find a Calvin sticker of him peeing on it. It's <laughs> just weird. I don't know how that became such a right. cultural thing. But uh, just the fun adventures of him and Hobbes, you know, in those uh, strips. Like I said, didn't really connect with me until later. And it was more off and on for me uh, reading those ones. What about you? It was about the same off and on. I never really found the connection. There's a couple one-offs that were funny. But like you, I mean, they kind of went their own route. Um, Don't know how the independence of being on something became fun. like I said, it just didn't connect with me. I, like I mm-hmm. thought it should have. And then that moves us on to Bloom County, which you know has my name on it. I shouldn't know what this is. <laughs> I have no idea about this one. I have seen it. Uh, the the cat and the uh, penguin there mainly, or what? Uh, or maybe it is a penguin. I don't know. It looks those, like a penguin in this picture. <laughs> those characters. Opus is his name. Those characters. I recognize the most out of Bloom County, but yeah, that was not one that ran, at least I remember, in our local paper. This one I would probably replace with maybe Beetle Bailey. Yes, yes, he was a frequent one. Missing from this list here. So that one I do remember being in the paper every Sunday and and getting a kick out of uh, his laziness in the Army, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Overall, I think that list was pretty good, pretty rad. I agree. I I would side with you. It's rad. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's headlines. Check out more headlines in issue 14, like uh, Stranger Things 5, episode 1 title was revealed. You can start doing your speculating now. Uh, another story, 11 discontinued cookies from the 70s all the way up through the 90s. Some good ones in there, why you might remember, like the uh, Magic Middles. You remember those from Keebler that had the the chocolate, like gooey chocolate in the inside? Oh, yes. I love and those. And the, the smile. What was the smile ones? Oh, that just left my brain. Anyway, there's a lot of good uh, cookies in there to uh, rediscover. Also, you can rediscover old photos of Heather Locklear and Tom Cruise back from the early 80s. Some great ones there, and then some retro-inspired ugly sweaters over on the Retro Network. Interesting. Lots of great sweaters, uh, mainly from uh, our friends, our sponsors, Fun.com. You can go check those out. Everything from uh, you know pop culture characters to wrestlers to anything you can think of, they've got an ugly sweater now. And then uh, the Garbage Pail Kids Origins comic book, uh, issue number two, you can get a preview of that as well. I've got issue one. I picked that up at my local shop. Very fun. And many more headlines. So uh, that's going to do it this week. We appreciate your time. Thanks for tuning in with us, Wyatt. It was fun. Yes, it's always fun. Again, thank you for joining us and keeping up with our headlines. Thanks for listening to the 80s Weekly. For more headlines direct to your inbox, subscribe to the newsletter by clicking the link in today's show notes. 
Also find the Tell B voicemail link to leave your feedback on today's headlines. Come back next week for more retro pop culture news on the 80s Weekly.